When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. I, I, I can have it. You, you, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode four of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the studio today and always, Charles Hedlund. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. What's going on, Austin? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Dreaming about getting in the, in the woods and dreaming about shooting a nice whitetail this year, but instead I'm just sitting staring at a computer screen for 10 hours a day. It sucks. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. I've actually been getting in the woods a little bit, and that sounds like a lot more fun. And I think you need to take a little bit more time off work and spend a little bit more time in the woods. I wish that was the case. Yeah. It's actually nice. Uh, I've been in the woods quite a bit compared to what I'm usually getting in the woods around this time of year. And I really do enjoy it. Um, Again, that's kind of the perks of being self-employed right now. Unemployed, technically. Allegedly self-employed, let's say it that way. Because the unemployment office might listen and they might yell at me. So I don't want them to do that. That probably be probably be bad. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's going to be a fun episode today. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to it because the guy that we're bringing on today is the guy that's usually in the woods with me whenever he wakes me up at 8 a.m. every morning with a phone call and says, "Hey, let's go check out a hunting spot." So uh, today we have Michael McCoy. Mike is a friend of mine that I grew up with. Uh, he lives about two blocks from my house, so we spend a lot of time together, like I mentioned, not only in the woods scouting, but hunting and doing other activities. But before we introduce Mike, why don't we go ahead and take a minute and thank our sponsor, because they are the greatest. Special thanks to Williams Archery in Edinburgh, PA. Head on down there and see Ron and Linda Williams, and uh, get your bow tuned. It's time for the season, man. You need to start shooting your bow, you gotta get ready, get it tuned. 
you never know. You might need new arrows because your bow's tuned so good you shoot knocks off of them. So, or you just happen to have a thirty-two inch draw now because you got a new bow and you have to shoot three hundred grain arrows. Oh yikes! Some sounds like somebody I know, eh, Mike? Oh yeah. Oh Maybe yeah. Right now I'm in the process. There we go. Yeah, well, so Mike McCoy, what's going on, buddy? Not much. I'm here, guys. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Yeah, like you said, I, I just got um, new arrows today at Williams with Ron. Uh, he hooked me up with 300s. Um, I got the new bow, like you said, uh, and I do have a 32-inch draw. Yeah. It's been kind of a pain to find a yeah. bow that fits me. So. Yeah, it's been quite the journey, actually, for us. Huh? Um, first, you weren't even sure if you were going to buy a new bow, but then I kind of forced you down to Williams to shoot, and... I told you to shoot the bow that he was setting up yeah. just to find out because one, you can do all the arm measurements you want. You can do whatever you want, but until you really get a bow in your hand and drop back, each bow is going to be a little different too. And we talked about that. We talked about how, you know, you might be a 31 and a half on one bow brand. You might be a 32 on another bow brand just because of the way the cams work and everything else. So you finally got in, you found a new bow. I, I did. Um, I was looking at that PSE Phenom that he had set up. It it was a really nice feel. I just didn't want to, you know, I wasn't at the point to spend that kind of money. Um, and not even that it was an expensive bow. Just for me right now, you know, $700 was a little rough. Um, looking at the prices online, he was right on point with his prices. However, I hopped on Craigslist and I found a really nice Bowtech uh, Boss. And the thing's beautiful. The guy who had it took really good care of it. He um, seems like he's doing a kind of three-year process while well, you were with me whenever we went through that. And uh, we caught on. He's buying a new bow every three years. He takes great care of his bows. Um, there's no wear on this thing. It, it's excellent. Uh, well, as much as I would love to get my, you know, purchase to Williams, I couldn't pass up the deal. He was asking 600 I was able to get him down to 400 that's a great deal on a bow. I mean, especially yeah. it's way newer than your 1927 Jennings <laughs> that you yeah, had. Jennings is probably about 17, 18 years old. It's, it's got some time on it. Yeah, but the bow shot great for you. But the problem wasn't the bow. It was that it just didn't fit you. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. That. I mean, was... you were you were anchoring on it, but you're probably anchoring different every time. I mean, you were shooting, what, 31 inches and you actually have a 32-inch draw? Yeah. I, I had a buddy that worked on it for me uh, and he... He even, like, you know, he made the D-loop a little bit longer, just trying to help me out as much as he could. I uh, set the bow up pretty good. Still, I'm cocking my head too much forward. Now with this new bow with Ron setting it up, I mean, it's beautiful. I can't believe it. You know, the kiss replacement is excellent with the, the peep. I, I, I just, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean because I've been through that. My first probably four bows that I went through were, the first three were hand-me-downs, and then the fourth one was a new one. But as I grew up, everything started to change and not fit me right. So until I got my bow four years ago, I did not have a bow that fit me right. So I was in the same boat you were on that aspect of it. That makes yeah. sense, yeah. <clears throat> well, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, uh, where are you from? What do you do? How did you get started hunting? So, yeah, I live right here in uh, Newcastle. I live in Union Township. Uh, currently, I am a production manager at a company in Hermitage, PA. Um, I'm a production manager. I manage 180 people. Uh, it's a great opportunity for me. You know, I've never actually been in a management status, and 
it's a world of difference, but I love it. I've been doing it since last October, and the guys I work with are great. My, um, you know, my guys on the floor, they're so knowledgeable. They know everything. They've been helping me along the way because the company, you know, it's a niche market. You know, we make aluminum cans. Not many people make them. You know, other we're not making you know the beer can we're drinking out of right now. We're making you know sun care product, hair product. Uh, we don't fill them. We just make the cylinder. Um, well, what's nice about that though is we've talked about your schedule. You have a great schedule for hunting, and I think that's something you're looking forward to this year. Why don't you go ahead and discuss kind of your funky schedule and what you think that's going to do for your season? So yeah, my, my schedule right now is amazing. I think it's really going to help me. The only downfall is the 7 a.m. Uh, you know, finish up. I work midnights right now, and I plan to stay on the midnights. I love them. Um, so I'm working, you know, two days on, two days off, three days on, two days off. However, because I can't remember, but every <laughs> other weekend I get a three day weekend. Um, but yeah, the the schedule is going to really work for me this year. I get days off during the week. I'm not just going to be that weekend warrior trying to get into the woods on Saturday when all the other guys are getting into the woods. So this is going to be, I'm hoping, a huge plus for me this year. And, you know, a lot of the guys I work with are big hunters, too. I've actually gotten a couple guys offer me permission, but some of them are in Ohio, and I'm not at that step to, you know, start hunting in Ohio just yet. Yeah, well, why don't we go ahead and dive into that then? You mentioned about getting permission because I know you personally, you're one of the better people at getting permission because you're always talking to people, you're always bringing up hunting, and you have absolute no shame in asking right off the bat, hey, can I hunt your property? But you, <laughs> I mean, you don't do it as bluntly as that, but you have a really good way of bringing something like that into a conversation, and I think the friendliness that you put off is something that helps you get permission. So. Do you want to kind of discuss about your permission tactics? Because you have more hunting land than anybody I know. Yeah, you can wheel and deal like nobody I know. I mean, take you to a yard sale, you're going to get everything at the place for a dollar. Oh, yeah. No different <laughs> from talking the guy down from $600 to $400 on a bow. I mean, yep. it's just, uh, and it, you know, I hope it doesn't sound nasty of me, but I like to wheel and deal. That's what I love to do. And you're a personable guy. You can talk to people. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a topic that I've brought up that you haven't been able to uh, talk to me about in like full detail. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I I like to I like to think I know quite a bit about some things, but you know I don't know how the phrase goes. I'm sure one of you guys know, but you know I know many things, but I'm never you know I'm not the master of all of them. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I don't know how it goes, but <laughs> you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. You can. What's nice about that is, and I don't know if this is from a sales background or what, but you can relate to people on all different aspects. Yeah, um, I actually, you know, I'll take that right to my family. Um, you know, my dad's, you know, growing up with my dad, you know, going to yard sales, flea markets, auctions. Uh, you you meet all different types of people, and that's the thing. I like to talk to people. Um, just. I don't care who you are. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to listen to you. It, it, it's just I'm not going to go somewhere and not talk to anybody. Right. Um, but yeah, so to get on your point of you know, permission, it's basically a prime example. Went to a guy. Um, we were buying hay for my buddy's wedding. He had tons of land. I mean, he pretty much told us. I, I asked him, how much land do you own around here? He said, uh, as far as you can see that way, as far as you can see that way, and as far as you can see behind us, and right to the road here. And I believe it was something over a 1,000 acres. 
And I said, okay, I said, I'm sure you probably have a lot of hunters on here. I'm a hunter myself, uh, just kind of getting into archery. This is about six years, five, five years ago. I said, I'm getting into archery and I'd love to, you know, really get a nailed out a spot I can, you know, hunt. But if you got a lot of guys on here and then, you know, it's no big deal. I just figured I'd throw it out there. And he said, yeah, I got, you know, I got many guys here. Um, but you know, I, I don't like having deer here. You know, this is a true farmer. He doesn't want the deer eating his crops. He, he wants the deer to, you know, be limited. And I say, hey, man, I'm just asking, you know, no big deal. Thank you. I appreciate, you know, everything you've done for us with the hay. He, he, hooked, up, he hooked us up with the hay. And uh, right before we left, he said, hey, buddy, uh, come back here, man. I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I've got a 100-acre farm down the road. I have no one hunting it. If you guys want to hunt it, you're more than welcome to. And I, my eyes got wide, and I'm all excited. I said, yeah, I'd love to see it. He takes us for a ride, and he said, you know, shows us the farm. Beautiful little spot. You know, it's mainly farm, but he goes into the woods quite a bit. There's a nice big chunk of woods right attached to it, but another neighbor owns it. So I hunt the farm, and that's where I stick around. I've, I've killed um, two deer on that property so far, and one was in archery and one was in rifle. Is that the Laurel Farm? Yes, that is the Laurel Farm. Okay, so that's the one you took me to. That's actually a pretty nice place. Even though, like you said, it's mostly ag fields, there's some nice little yes. thick creek bottoms and draws in there, and there's like a little swampy area. So there's enough room. Like Plus, like you said, it has some big woods attached to it from the neighbor's property, but they don't have the change in terrain like that farm has where the deer may bet on their land, but they're going to come over to that farm Right. to get food in the evenings or they're going to be out in those fields in the morning you know so you're not in a bad position out there i think once you get out there get it some good sits and that's what's going to be nice about your schedule is you're going to be able to be more selective with your stand locations you're not going to have to pound the same place your best spot every weekend exactly you know, when I you have to be mobile to spots you know i can yeah. move around i can leave a spot alone for a week right uh, you know i'm very lucky in that aspect um, to talk on that farm, man, I, that farm taught me a lot. There is a small ravine, which you've seen, you saw how thick it is. I couldn't figure out how to hunt that spot. You know, I, I kind of just drove all the way up to that ravine, walked to my stand that was back in the corner of the, you know, where the big woods start. Every time, it took me forever to really let it click in. Every time I walked past that ravine, I busted a deer out. Yeah. Uh, if not, you know, one or two or three, and it was every time. So then I started thinking after a couple weeks of doing that, um, you know, let me, I got to try a different tactic here. I got to, I got to take a new route in and, uh, you know, you, you can't be lazy. There's times that you just can't, as nice as it was to park there and walk a hundred yards straight, easy shaft or uh, lane right to my stand. You can't do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I got to walk about 500 yards to the spot cause I park at the front of the farm and I just creep in through the uh, the one tree line that separates both uh, each farm. Well, there's a nice hillside there too. You can yes. find. Yes, exactly. What the pain is is I gotta walk up the other hill yeah. and down the hill. But you know, it it's worth it because that's how I popped that deer, and it was you know close to the end of archery whenever I got that deer. Um, now I have that farm pretty much figured out. But like I said, I gotta walk, so I gotta take that easy walk in and you know try to be scent free because uh, that's another tough part of that farm is the wind blows from me to the to that little ravine. Man, I love when you talk about scent. Yeah. Because, and I'm gonna grill you here, you were a person that smoked in your stand at one point. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, so, 
but now you've come to your senses and you're better at your scent control. So why don't you talk about your scent control a little bit and uh, go from the beginning when you first started in an archery, some of your struggles, and then go from there and maybe transition into what you're doing now. And if there's any stories related to some successes from the change, we'd like to hear that too. So yeah, basically, you know, I didn't care about scent. You know, a couple guys I talked to, they, oh, scent doesn't matter. Uh, you can build a bonfire. We have buddies that build bonfires right underneath their stand. You know, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll keep warm and whatnot. And uh, I'm talking, obviously, a rifle. Um, but archery, you are a lot closer to deer. You know, I'm taking my max distance is 30 yards. I'm not shooting any farther than that. I'm not comfortable shooting any farther than that right now. Maybe with this new bow, it will be. But um, so, yeah, starting out, I, I just, you know, I had the camo. I put face paint on, that was it. I didn't buy the scent spray, I didn't take the wash. I basically just took a shower and just kind of rinsed myself. I didn't use any, you know, I didn't use baby powder. Uh, baby powder. Baby powder. <laughs> um, oh, what the heck do you put in your refrigerator so it doesn't smell? Baking, baking soda. soda. Thank you. So yeah, I didn't use baking soda or anything. That's a neat little trick that I've learned. But um, you know, nothing, I didn't use the hair stuff, anything. I just rinsed off, didn't put deodorant on went out into the woods, trying to just basically use camo, and that was it. And I also, my coverage, terrible. I had no coverage. I'm sitting right, I mean, the tree that stuck out the farthest on the field, that's where I sat. When I got that doe, I mean, it was it was a lucky shot. So, you know, lucky chance for me to have that deer come in. Now, I had a rough year two years ago. A buddy of mine said, hey, Mike, uh, I, know, I know you're having a tough time. And he was like, I got a spot, you know, I got two doe that come in every night. I'm willing to let one go, but you gotta take a small one. I want the mom to stay alive. And I said, you know what, man, anything will help me right now. I, I need to get this stuff, you know, figured out. And I said, I gotta get something under my belt right now. He told me, he said, listen, here's the only thing. You will not smoke in the stand, <laughs> in the stand I have set up. Um, you need to, you know, take the scent uh, shower and you need to scent wash your clothes. And I said, okay, so that, you know, the night before I went out and bought all that stuff, I got everything washed. And then right before we were going to go hunting, I washed myself, uh, everything. I did all, all the scent lock stuff. He calls me up a half an hour before we're supposed to meet. And he says, hey, man, I can't, I, I can't go. I got to go to work. And I said, that's fine. So, you know, I hop in my truck. Um, oh, I even, I even got the scent lock box through my clothes in there. I was going to change at the spot and then walk in. Um, but so... I hop in my truck, I didn't even put the clothes on, I figured I could do that much at least. Grab a pack of cigarettes and grab a cigarette out and I, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, one time, one time, let's really push this scent. You know, I already did everything for the scent. Why have that, you know, the cigarette smell just stick to me? Because that's what it does, it sticks. And I left them in the truck, I didn't do anything with the cigarettes, I drove to my spot, I crept in, I sat in my stand, literally saw the biggest buck I've ever seen, you know, in the woods for sure. Um, definitely bigger than any of the buck I had on camera. This guy was a drifter, this was early October. I, I couldn't believe it. Ever since that hunt, <laughs> I stopped smoking in the stand. I mean, I'm all about that now. I learned because all I was seeing was scrub buck, you know? Scrub buck, they're dumb. You know, they don't know yet. They're not they're not old enough to understand what the smells are and everything. Those big boys, you know, they know what's going on. They know what that scent they're is. They're big for a reason. Exactly. They'll stick around, they'll they'll creep away from you seventy yards and just walk right around your smell. 
Yep. Yeah, you'll never even know they're there. That's the that's the thing with the big gear, and that may be why you weren't getting them off camera because you were probably smoking when you went in to set up your cameras. You know, not showering. Yep. You had your scent all over the cameras, and then when you were in your stand, you had the scent in the stand, so you were just polluting your area. Yep. You know, and that may be why you've never seen that deer from your stand prior to that or on your cameras because it would pick up scent before it would even come close to being on you know, near your camera or near your stand and you would have never seen it. And then that one day that deer come down the travel path, it may have come down before when you were in your stand. And this time it didn't smell you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go ahead and keep going and there's no harm here. Yep. So the deer's coming in. What happened next? Yeah, so uh, he came in and uh, <laughs> he was about to walk right underneath my stand. Um, I had two trees, so I turned around about 40 yards. There he is, just standing there, beautiful, just looking in my direction. I got ready. He got behind a couple of trees. He was out of sight of me. I stood up, grabbed my bow. I was ready to go. I was leaning out. And, you know, this, this hunt, you know, I've talked to you guys about this hunt before. This was a big, this was just such a game changer for me. So basically he came in at me, he turned broadside, he was about 10 feet from the base of my stand. I pulled back, I put him on the 1020 fin, and uh, I plucked the arrow and it just went right over top of him. And I was so upset, I was really mad. He, he went off, he was probably about 40, 50 yards away from me and just stood there and looked at me. It was a miserable thing. But so basically I learned so much from that hunt. When I pulled my, when I drew my arrow back, um, my quiver, I had my quiver on. And I know we discussed this before, you know, you leave your quiver on, you shoot with your quiver on. I can't do that, I don't think. I think the main issue is because my arrows are too long. Because I do have that 32 inch draw. I have long arrows, I have a long bow. That bow tech is a 36 inch uh, axle to axle, which we figured out with that Jennings was even longer. That thing's probably about 37, 38 inches. Yeah, easily 37, 38 axle to axle. Yeah, so, you know, I learned so much with, you know, clipping my arrows off my shooting rail because I use a two-man stand because I'm a bigger guy and you know I want to be sure I got that weight um, covered so I clipped that I kind of almost screwed up the whole thing luckily he didn't hear me uh, hit the rails when I took the shot again you know I overshot him he took off and you know from that day forward so such a miserable hunt to miss that deer but such a great hunt for me to learn you know the scent proofing Taking my, yeah, taking my quiver off, really just, you know, I even lost an arrow that day too. Shooting 10 feet from the base of my stand, I couldn't find the arrow. I found it, you know, a couple, you know, a couple weeks later, a week later. Um, I think I was just in a rush. I was really upset. You know, I waited till dark and I just got out of there, stormed out, looked for my arrow, couldn't find it. Now I'm shooting the, uh, the lighted knocks. Those are a lot nicer. I love them. You know, it, it's real nice for that, you know, when it's starting to get a little gloomy out for you know end of the night, uh, end of the day hunting, it's really nice to see them luminox go off um, or the light of knocks go off. So nocturnals is the one we we yeah use. that's yeah. yeah the nocturnals. Thank you. Yeah, but what's nice about those too going into nocturnals is it can be daylight, it can be dark. I mean, you can see them at all times. What I really like about them, not only do you usually find your arrow you can shoot i mean that you can shoot into some of the nastiest stuff and i shot one one time and missed a deer in this real high grassy field i mean the grass was probably about two foot high and i couldn't find it because it was a morning hunt i missed in the morning couldn't see it in the day 
I forgot about it. A week later, I came back to that spot. And I said, you know what? For the hell of it. I'm going to go walk over there and see if I can find mm-hmm. this arrow. And sure enough, walk over right to the spot, turn my flashlight off, and down in the grass is a dim light still lit. A week later. Yeah, those batteries and those things are impressive. They, they stay alive quite a bit um, for some time. I mean, there's that. And then it, not even to film yourself hunt and see where you hit the deer, but just to know that you hit a deer. Sometimes you can really gain a lot from where that nocturnal is because you can tell right away, say you shoulder a deer and you hit it, you can see that nocturnal a full arrow lengths out of the deer wallowing all over the place. Or you can see maybe you hit it a little back. You know, sometimes it's kind of a distraction with the nocturnals. I, when I started using them, I used red. Red is so overwhelmingly bright that I found myself kind of peeking to watch the arrow flight sometimes. And that was more of a distraction to me sometimes when I shot, but I just had to get used to them, use them, practice in the yard and actually shoot them a lot. But I really do like the nocturnals. I believe in them. I've never had any real issues with them not going off because they have kind of that little plunger insert on them. Right. So it's not like some of the other brands where it has to be activated. As soon as you let go, it hits yep. that little plunger and it turns on. Yep, exactly. And they go off real, real easy. Yeah. But uh, you also mentioned about the uh, quiver debate. Austin, what do you do? Do you shoot with your quiver on your bow or off? I take my quiver off my bow, but... I always hang it. Um, I, I bring like an extra accessory hook, and I'll I'll do it that way. But I have had issues with that before, and in one instance. But most of the time, I'm I'm a okay. Say I miss, but I don't typically miss. <laughs> no, but <laughs> one of my uh, one of my first bucks I actually shot with my bow. I missed the first shot. I was sitting on the ground in a ground blind, and I drew my bow back and buck wasn't paying attention to me i was rushing i hadn't shot in the jacket that i was wearing i thought you were american you're not russian (laughs) i'm not russian no (laughs) i was speedy in my in my shot (laughs) rather than russian and uh no i just i hit my arm with my with my bowstring i was wearing a puffier jacket that day and it just took my arrow far enough off that i i missed i missed a deer and I, at that point, I had my quiver off and it was behind me. Oh, yeah. And I was reaching behind me and I couldn't find my quiver. And I finally found it and I, I got an arrow out and I got it back on and I ended up doubling. You know, he didn't even line. move. Didn't even move. I wasn't in a ground. I was on a, oh, in a blind. But it was a homemade blind. It wasn't like a oh, pop up. Okay. Luckily, he didn't, he didn't really flinch too much. There were another, awesome. another deer, a couple, couple other deer out there. And then I double punched him. I mean, that's probably the main reason I shoot with mine on that second shot opportunity. Right. Because I've had some things happen where you draw back, you have to let down, you know, two or three times and you're not paying attention. You draw back like that third time you let down a third time. The next thing you know, that arrow just plunks off your line or your string and goes straight to the ground. Right. So now you need another arrow. And at this point, if you've already drawn back and let down three times, you know, the deer is weary. And then your arrow hits the ground and makes noise. So now the deer is looking at the ground in your direction. So as little amount of movement as possible at that point is best in my opinion. And I'd rather have to pick from right there next to my bow where my hand already is, pick an arrow, turn it in my hand, put it on the string. You know, it's minimal movement. 
Right. And in Pennsylvania, when you're hunting deer smart as we are, minimal movement is good. Oh, I couldn't agree any more than that. I mean, yeah. but I mean, I know everybody. My brothers shoot with the quiver off. You know, it's it's personal preference, and I I know when I shot my buck this year too, my quiver was on, and I kid you not, when I drew back on that buck, my arrows hit the the bar on my climbing stand. Yeah, and it made a little bit of noise. It wasn't as bad. It made a little fling noise. And the deer stopped and turned its head right towards me. But That's I turned no him back, so he was already done at this point. I mean, he had, he had nowhere to go. Um, but it happens. It definitely happens. And I shoot short arrows, super short arrows. I got a 27 and a half inch drop, but my <laughs> arrows are like right to the rest. Yeah, we're uh, we're both little little guys, and McCoy, he's just a giant guy. Yeah, not all of us guy. can be, you know, ogres and shoot 32 <laughs> inches and... Four thousand feet per second, but I do my best. I actually have a funny story about hitting your bow on the edge of your tree stand. I was in, uh, I was on the edge of a soybean field one time. I was in my climber, the tree that I actually went up. I mean, it couldn't have been. Basically, I had my climber the whole way adjusted in, and when I was up in the tree, my bottom platform was leaning down. I was digging my heels into it to stay up in the tree because it was so small. No cover, practically. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't sky lit or anything like that, but it wasn't. I was I was sticking out a little bit, and um, I had a buck. It was I think November eighth or ninth or something like that. He was hot on a doe. There were probably six or seven other does out in the field, and he was chasing her around. And I think he came in. I think when I ranged him, he was forty three yards. I was very comfortable taking that shot. It was a little bit longer shot, but I was very comfortable doing it. And I leaned out over the the I don't know what you would call that like the crossbar. It yeah, it's like a shooting rail on yeah, yeah railing on on the climber. I put it on him and he was broadside and he had stopped and he was smelling the doe's butt. <laughs> and when I shot and I dropped my bow, it smacked off of the tree stand and he turned. As soon as I shot and it it smacked off. I mean, it smacked right off of that. And uh, he turned, and I actually caught him straight in the chest. Wow. Right where you'd... If he was coming at you, you wouldn't shoot him like that. But I hit him perfect, and he took off. I didn't even know it happened until I, I found him, but he took off straight into a swamp. And I called Rob, and Rob was out in Slippery Rock, and I was like, dude, I shot a buck. And he was like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not going to happen, dude. He was there in like 25 minutes. Yeah. So he probably broke a couple speeding laws, but... Um, yeah, we, we were wading out into this swamp. Like I was up to my hips almost and we drug that deer out and I was like, where's my hole? You know, I'm looking behind his front leg and everything. Can't find anything. And we rolled it over and I hit it dead center in the chest and it just heart and bottom of one of the lungs. And he was toast within 80 yards. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you can hit your cam on your, on your rail. I think it was my limb that hit it when i shot oh, yeah. i was i thought i was leaning out over enough but apparently it wasn't when i let that go it just smacked right off of that yeah i've seen people miss i think actually last year russ missed the deer because it was so close it was only probably five yards he took a shot of the deer and the and the actual the cam got stuck on his railing and when he shot it actually torqued his entire bow straight down into the ground damn because it was just so close it was such a downward angle he didn't know that he was resting up against it but when he let it go it torqued his bow and it shot, you know, three feet low. Yep. 
which that can happen too. I've had that happen to me before as well. Yeah. You know, we actually kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Mike, how was your 2017 season, man? 2017 was really good for me. Um, I popped, I had three doe tags and a buck tag. I was able to fill all tags, but I did not fill it, uh, the buck with a buck tag. I used my buck tag as another doe tag and muzzle it. There you go. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You're yeah, filling yeah. the freezer, man. Right, exactly. So that's, you know, that's me and my wife. You know, we are, you know, she's not a hunter at all. She's an animal lover. Um, but I love the deer meat, and so does she. You know, she never had deer until she was with me. And she, you know, first getting together, she didn't like the fact that, you know, I hunted and um, I didn't, I actually didn't hunt whenever we first started dating. We've been together for 10 years. And, I started hunting about 23 years old, and we had already been together for four years. So when I started hunting, I kind of broke her heart a little, but she understands how it goes. You know, I changed into that hunting mode. I used to hunt when I was younger, but now I'm a big hunter. You know, I had a big, shoot, almost a 10-year gap where I did not hunt at all. I hunted from 12 to 14. Me and my dad, we just did rifle hunting, and then me and a couple buddies, we got into archery. I bought that thousand year old bow and you know i got a good deal on it but <laughs> got it from a navajo tribe <laughs> yeah it was just you know i wanted to do archery i mean that's where you know big bucks were killed and everything but as i started getting into it, really getting into hunting it was like i love this deer meat i'll take it no i'm not upset if i don't get a buck don't get me wrong i mean i want that buck i want that big buck but it's not gonna kill me it's not gonna eat at me to not get that buck but yeah for 2018 that's my challenge this year. I want to get that buck with everything I've learned, you know, in the past five years, you know, two years were really rough, you know, really learning big stuff, you know, talking to you guys, learning from you guys big time has helped me. Uh, just like the scent lock, you know, my coverage with I, I, everything I put up was, I want to be open. I want to be able to shoot. I didn't have a limb in front of me. I had nothing but open area to shoot in, And that was bad. So I was constantly getting plucked out by the deer. Yeah, you need that cover. I mean, it's pretty key when it comes to not getting busted, oh, you know? 100%. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, I mean, you, you've done some good scouting. Uh, we've already done quite a few scouting trips, and we've been looking at some small overlooked properties. We've been looking at some different new properties that kind of link up to an area that you're already hunting. And I think this year, and plus last year, you know, we went in and we cleaned up your stand and, and you asked me to help you. And I really respect that you, you asked me to help you because one, a lot of people won't do that. A lot of people won't ask for help. They just think they know everything and they're going to act like they know everything. And then they're going to be unsuccessful year after year instead of looking to their friends. So I really give you props. You're one person that takes in advice from everyone you talk to. You never spend a minute you know, thinking you know more than someone else. You may have input on a situation, but you're never the one that's kind of nods in one ear, out the other ear. You take in a little bit of advice from everyone you talk to, and I think that really goes towards your success in learning. You've learned really fast. I mean, you might not think, you may think five years is a slow learning process. Five years in archery and PA is a quick learning Oh, process. yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Leaps and bounds. It's hard hunting in Pennsylvania, especially archery, with all the pressure and stuff. And the fact that you're getting it done, I mean, 
I mean, think you might not be killing a buck every year. But you're shooting does very consistently. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was. Like, there's something know, to be said for that. I know yeah. plenty of people who can't even shoot a doe. I mean, yeah. that's and but it's not their does. fault, right? You, you know, mature does. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, that's sometimes that that is, in my opinion, the hardest deer to kill. Everybody can say the old stubborn bucks. They think that's the hardest deer to kill only because they're so rare in Pennsylvania. They're not the hardest deer to actually kill. One because of the rut. Because when the rut comes in, the mama does don't care that they're in the heat. They still walk through the woods and they're very protective. Where bucks get a little crazy, they kind of sometimes looking for the punani get a little <laughs> bit wild. Okay, and that's that's their belly. Also, the rut that kills them. You know, right. what oh, an, yeah. an adult mature doe. They're slaves to their stomach, man. Yeah, but an adult mature doe, they're not only looking out for themselves. A lot of times they're looking out for the the fawns. And yep. I think that's what really makes them the hardest deer in the woods to kill. So, I mean, I wouldn't be too distraught over not having a buck on your belt yet. It took me 13 years. No. Yeah, 13 years to kill my first buck with a bell. Yeah. Now you're on a roll. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. You're cruising. You had a great last year. Um, I was excited for you last year. And that's what that's what I like about you guys. Um, like you know, like you said, you're giving me props, but you know, the props go back to you guys because I, I understand what you're saying. I listen to you guys, and but the thing is, is I see what you guys do. I want to do the same thing. I want to be there. I want to. I want that big buck opportunity. Um, I want to fill my freezer, which I did last year, definitely uh, tenfold. You know, I got two doe and archery, a doe and rifle. And a doe and muzzleloader, and it was, I mean, such an amazing year. Muzzleloader, that was my first muzzleloader kill. I've been hunting muzzleloader now for five years as well. Um, pretty much when I started hunting, it was just, I went, I did every season archery, rifle, and muzzleloader, and I have missed a lot of deer and muzzleloader with the small pushes that we do. I've had a lot of shots, but I could never, I could never, you know, dial that muzzleloader in. That's another thing I've learned. You, know, you got to practice that muzzleloader, man, that, that bullet flies and you don't know 100% where that's going to go. And I got my muzzleloader straightened out where I got my flint perfect, where I'm getting good. Um, you know, I don't have too much of a delay on my... I just have a little tradition. And it's such a great gun. It's great for pushing. It's a small gun. Um, I'd love to have the Thompson Center, but this tradition is beautiful. I love it. This is a gun my dad bought me, and this is a gun I'll keep forever. Uh, I know there's no real great value monetary-wise, but... You know, it's a sentimental value. Uh, you know, my dad bought it for me, and you know, I never got to use it with them. But that's what I'm. That's that's another goal for me is to get my dad back into hunting. You know, that's what happened 12, 13, 14. You know, when I was that age, we just weren't seeing the deer where we were hunting. Yeah. You know, we didn't have the permission places. We weren't big hunters. We were just going out for rifle season. Uh, you know, I popped a doe. My I didn't see nothing my first year. I popped a doe my second year. And my third year, I got a little five-point buck. That's the only thing I've ever, you know, it's the only buck I've killed is a five-point. Um, but I love him. You know, I got his rack in the garage. He's, you know, that's my first buck. I was pumped about him. Oh, yeah. So. Dude, everybody everybody in Pennsylvania shot small bucks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, that's the way it is. I mean, it, you're just very lucky or incredibly skilled if you get it done on a big buck every year. I mean, that's just, there's something to be said for that. But you're getting there, man. I'm 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 100% rooting for you this year. I mean, yeah, we're getting you squared away, mostly Charles. I mean, we're getting you squared away. You know, we got some new stands set up for you. and No excuses this year. No excuses yeah, this much, year. You know, hey, I listened to what I think it was either 
episode three or episode two, we were talking, you guys were talking about, you know, overlooked spots. And that's exactly what we went and scouted. <laughs> we scouted it the, the one night. We put the spotlight out there and we saw four deer in the field. And I would have never thought, you know, to even touch that spot. And, you know, I'm impressed. And then we went back um, the next day. We found some, you know, potential buck beds. Uh, not Nothing crazy beat up, but we pop out into the woods and there's two more deer. You know, or sorry, we pop out of the woods into the field and there's two more deer, you know, in the field at nine o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, that's kind of that, that's where my work schedule kind of comes into play. Don't really want to be in the woods at, you know, that early in the day, um, you know, eight, nine o'clock, but it's kind of what we had to do to really scout it out. But we still got two months. So just walking through the woods, it, it, it's not going to kill me right now to be in there at that time. I'm not going to push them out, but we haven't touched that spot since we were in there. We went in there two times, one at night that they didn't even care about us. And then the next morning. Yeah. 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 The one time at night, we basically just poked our heads through the, the fence and shine a spotlight on them and they were perfectly calm and they didn't change their behavior at all then the next day even if those those deer we saw they were young i think they were two yearlings uh together and they didn't care either that we were there we kind of we kind of didn't even mess with them because we were down by the river and they were out in the field so helicopter coming for you mike yeah Giving you a safe ride home. <laughs> they're, they're trying to listen into our spots. So we better kind of keep it, yeah, keep it private so nobody gets our spots. All of our spots are on the border, right on the corner of the West Virginia New York line. <laughs> right, panhandle. right on the panhandle, right where that corner touches. That that's where all that's of our spots are. I love if anybody it. ever asked, that's where we hunt. But, yeah. No, I mean, I like what you're saying, though. I think you can get your dad now back into hunting by introducing him to, into archery, I think, because one thing, archery is just such a great sport. Oh, know? really? It is. And man. he's going to see deer. He's going to stay interested. Yeah. You can help him out a lot just from your mistakes that you made that you can teach him not yeah, to make. It, it. It, it will be so great. My dad taught me a, a lot about hunting. You know, he, he did a great job raising me about the main thing my dad was always concerned about was safety. Um, you know, that, that gun barrel ever get pointed up, you know, I'm getting yelled at and he's grabbing that barrel and saying, what are you doing? If I need to take this from you, I'm going to take it from you. So yeah. <laughs> I learned that real quick. With hey, safety's huge, man. And, yeah, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but, I mean, you got to really pay attention no matter what you're doing, whether you're, whether it's your gun safety or whether it's tree sand safety. I mean, if you're up in a tree, you better be wearing a safety harness. And I'm pretty sure you've told me before that you actually had a little incident where you almost fell out of the tree. Actually, you know what? That was that same hunt where, you know, where I learned about the quiver, you know, being on my, um, hitting the, hitting the, uh, railing, the, the rail. Yeah. The gun rail. Um, yeah, that same hunt, you know, I leaned out to try to shoot around the tree. That was, you know, where the deer was. And I'm, you know, he, kind of he was he knew something was up i rushed the shot so i leaned forward and i was leaning on that rail pretty hard and when i let go i kind of my body went forward as well and <laughs> i had to grab back on the um the rail with my shooting hand and i was able to you know luckily i didn't go far but i could have i could have toppled over real easy and that you know that's a long fall i think that stands up 17 feet in the air so 
That's definitely one thing, and I, I'm going to tell your dad because he's preaching safety and you're not wearing a safety harness. Oh, here stand, we go. So I'm going to have to get Russ McCoy on, and I'm going to have to go ahead and let him know what his son's up to. But, no, you, you've also learned from that, and unfortunately you almost had to learn from a bad incident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't – you never want to learn safety from – about it from yeah. accident. From by accident. accident. Yeah. Never want to learn safety exactly what by accident. Yep. No, yeah. absolutely. So and, I mean I, I can't emphasize it enough. You must wear a safety harness. Even in a ladder stand. Yeah, it's a fifteen foot ladder. You know how much damage your body can do in fifteen foot fall. Yeah. You can land the wrong way, get injured, and you're out in the woods. A lot of times you're hunting secluded places. Sometimes you're on your own, sometimes you're with somebody. But what if you say you have your phone on the maybe on your railing okay on the rest and you're playing on it or whatever and the next thing you know you see a deer you stand up to shoot and you fall out of your tree stand to the ground and you break your leg yep yeah. your phone's up in the air <clears throat> or worse you break your back or you break your back yeah you know yeah. and i've heard of people falling and actually getting lodged between two trees and suffocating to death because they couldn't expand their chest yeah and that's all because they couldn't put on a small piece of cloth they make safety harnesses now so comfortable yeah the one I have, I think it's Hunter Safety. Is that right? I wear a Hunter Safety Hunter system. Hunter Safety yeah. system, yes. It's a vest. It's got great pockets. I have my pocket for my range finder. Uh, yeah, there it yeah, is right there in the rack shack. Right <laughs> it, it is lightweight. You can wear it at all times. There's no excuse not to wear your safety harness. Well, with, the, with the money we spend on our hunting gear, yeah. you know, what do those run? Maybe max seventy five bucks. Maybe they're a little. I bit think more. I got that one on sale. I think it was. I think it was one hundred and fifteen dollars. But on sale, I think I got it for around eighty. Yeah, exactly. You know, now they're down to like fifty bucks. And you know what? Now, even if you don't buy one like that, most tree stands that you buy nowadays, you get a safety oh, yeah. harness you, with yeah. it. You, get a safety <clears throat> with you. you know, I paid for that one because I think it's more comfortable than the other one. It's a little bit easier to use. But exactly. there's actually programs out there. The Big Buck Registry, another podcast, they actually do a safety harness program. If you buy a tree stand you have that extra safety harness and you already have one that you wear, if you contact Jay from the Big Buck Registry, he'll send you an address. You can send it to them. And if anybody needs a safety harness, you can contact them and they'll send you one out for free. You know, they have – I've sent – for this stand actually, I sent him up my safety harness. They're so thankful. There's people out there that need them, you know. Yeah, I got about thirteen of those sitting around. So I I will I'll contact him and or I'll give you his email or something. Yeah, get a hold of him. Cool. They're they're so thankful to get oh, safety harnesses. Just taking up space because I love the one I have. I'm never going to use the one that they have. I used it for years. I used the one that they give you a stand for years. Yeah. It was it, they're kind of hard to figure out which leg goes in where, which arm goes in where, but. It's still worth it. It's yeah. worth that extra couple minutes. Absolutely. I mean, every time it's worth it. Either put that on and spend a couple extra minutes or fall out of your tree stand. You might not ever hunt again. That's right, what I exactly. mean. Exactly. You, you know? If you get paralyzed, you can't hunt ever again. I even wear my safety harness hanging stands. I put the lineman belt around the tree. I That's go up. I I'm always hooked to the tree. I'm not really super worried, but I mean, you know, you always got to be cautious. Make sure you're holding on with probably three points of contact all the time but yeah i need to work on know, that more because yeah. I, I do sometimes like i'll climb up in a stand just to make sure you know where my lanes need cut and everything else and i'm super careful i'm not standing up and you know, but anything could happen anything could happen whenever you're climbing it yeah i don't want to belabor the point but it's just it it 
it's a good idea to wear your safety harness. Please do that, people. Yeah. Well, let's let's brighten it up a little bit here. I got a hard transition. I want to talk about my favorite story hunting with Mike. It was this spring. You had a phenomenal spring. You want to go ahead and talk about what happened? Oh man, this was a blast. Um, you know, the blasty us, blast. <laughs> <laughs> all three of us were there, plus Anthony. So basically, you know, you guys pressured me into coming into your spot. You know, I'm I'm very respectful on people's spots, but I think you asked me like three or four times, and I pretty much said, you know, I was ready after the second time you asked me to go, but. <laughs> I wanted to kind of, you know, feed into it a little bit, but, um, yeah, basically, you know, you guys said, Mike, come on, man. I already got a bird down. Uh, Charles, you already had a bird down. Uh, Austin, you were still hunting and, uh, we had Anthony who I don't even, he's never killed a bird. He's never killed a bird. Yeah. So, um, I've only killed, you know, the one Jake with my brother-in-law two years ago going turkey hunt, man. That was a blast. That was, you know, that was awesome. This hunt just topples that, man. It, it was, it was amazing. So basically, yeah, we, we set up in the morning. Uh, we got there, you know, dark. We set up great. You know, timing was perfect. We're getting the birds set up. You know, the decoys set up. We set up in this nice brushed area. Um, you know, we, we were able to lay back, you know, really be relaxed where you didn't have to fidget anywhere. Um, and you were calling for me. And then Anthony and Austin were hunting the farm, uh, the big field uh, behind us where you guys have located birds before and you also located the birds, you know, where we were at. And we were about 50 yards from the farm. Well, we're sitting there. We just get set up in our spot and a hunter comes walking down the trail. We had a three point trail we were on and he comes walking down, sets up within a hundred yards of us. We could hear him calling and it was kind of, you know, disturbing, but Hey, you know, that's, that's what we run into in PA. You know, whether it's turkey hunting, whitetail hunting, just hunters in Western PA, you run into that pressure and you run into people, you know, kind of, crushing against you. So we talked to him, you know, he knew where we were and we obviously knew where he was. He was down below us to the left a little while and we could hear him calling. So we had the crows with us. We had owls hooting, no birds chirping. You know, we couldn't hear any gobbles, nothing. And uh, Anthony and Austin had a gobble right before daylight and I was a little down before you, down in the hollow. Yep. So me and Charles look at each other and we say, uh, you know, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock, you know, we're going to get up and make a move. This guy's calling a lot. You know, he's kind of kind of hurting us here. Over calling may shut a bird up and not let it talk because it doesn't need to. Yeah. He knows where that bird's at. <clears throat> Sometimes. There's, there's certain occasions where I've been in the woods turkey hunt with Anthony and heard a bird going off like crazy. And I actually thought it was another hunter. Yeah. I was like, what is that guy doing? Yeah. He's acting like an idiot. It was just constantly, burp, 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 burp. and I was like, that guy's going to ruin the hunt. <laughs> and it turns out it was a hen, but yeah. you know, that it, it happens, I guess. I don't right. know. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're right. You're right. It, it could have played to our benefit if the birds were up in the field because they would have had to use the path to get past us to get to him. Anyways. Exactly. But in the same sense, I mean, we located the whole way in, thanks to the owl hooter over oh, here. Oh, yeah, Austin with that owl hoot, man. The it's best owl hoot perfect. ever. Let's go. And uh, <laughs> and then when he left, it was great. We get to our spot, and the owls are hooting. And we can actually hear him, and I'm like, that's a real one. Yeah. And he, I think you thought it was yeah, Austin. I was confused. I'm like, man, I thought they were like, at least 200 yards from us, if not farther. And, yeah, we figured out it was a real owl. I just 
made me so much more impressed with Austin's Alhoot. <laughs> Alhoot is phenomenal. Yeah. It's loud, it's boisterous. But anyways, thank you. Yeah, so I think, you know, me and you, Mike, we're more of a running gun type oh, anyways. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. You know, you know, I, I get fidgety. You know, mm-hmm. I want to... I want to move. I want to see something. You know, that's that's that where that patience has to come in, and you know where you're so proud of yourself because you were patient and you stuck it out. So it was about seven thirty, and we said, uh, you know, eight o'clock. We're gonna we're gonna get moving if we don't hear nothing. We looked at each other about seven thirty-five and said, <laughs> "Hey, uh, I'm ready," <laughs> and he agreed. So we got up, we started moving, we picked up our decoys, and uh, we started, you know, got the boots on the ground and started kind of just doing the stock hunt, you know walk, you know, 40, 50 yards, make a call, sit there for a minute or two and, you know, move on. We hiked down a big ravine and up a mountainside. I think we ended up about, what, three quarters of a mile from where we were just because the train was so rough. It was, it was real thick and you guys had located birds there a week prior. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was kind of a new area for you. You didn't go over where the birds were, but you knew where they were. So, we just kept walking, trying to find a spot. And we also didn't want to screw the guy up that was hunting in front of us earlier uh, in the morning. So we were going to make a big loop around him and just really see, you know, scout out for, you know, turkey. Uh, but also, you know, again, you know, always looking for deer hunting spots, um, trying to, you know, see what kind of trails that are making and everything. So we um, we go up to the top of this mountainside and. Charles says, oh, yeah, hey, there's that field. We're, we're quite a bit away uh, from the field. And, you know, we're laughing. We're like, oh, God. So we're going to be walking for a while to get back to the vehicle or, you know, set up on another spot. And uh, we start walking. I look back at the field. I see something moving in the, in the farm. And I'm, hey, Chuck, uh, let's grab those binos. I think there's something down there. And he looks and he scouts it out. And his, uh, I think you're, you had water all over your... Yeah, somewhere I picked up water. I don't know if it was crashing through the mountain laurel. It was wet. Somehow I had water all in the lenses. So either that or from just sweating from walking up and down the mountainside. Because we went down this giant ravine and back up the other side. I pick up my binoculars and I'm like, well, Mike, there's definitely something there. I don't know if it's a turkey or a crow or a goose. I can't tell. It's a blur. It's literally just blur. So I'm trying to clear out my binoculars. I put them down. I'm wiping them. I look up. And sure enough, with your bare eyes, I see a giant gobbler fanned out. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. There is a turkey there. No shit. So now we're thinking, because up to that point, I had Onyx out. I had my phone. I'm, I'm looking at the topography. I'm planning our whole route. Now we're like, you know what? Let's get down. Let's make a move on this bird. So first thing we did was call Anthony and Austin. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where and we didn't discuss it, right, you know, tonight so much. But that's where that teamwork comes in that I love that, you know, we all talk about, you know, wanting each other to win. Just like you guys having me come in and hunt with you. You know, there's now three guys hunting, you know, one area that you guys invited me to. Now, it, it was amazing. But our, our first instincts were, hey, those guys are over there. Let's get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were tracking a bird that they had heard earlier. They were basically the same distance from that bird that we were, and that bird was basically right in the middle. And it's like, okay, guys, let's move in on it. Let's see what we can do. We go running down the mountainside, and <laughs> before we even run, I went a hundred yards. There's a guy walking with his dog in the woods, and we're like, oh shoot! 
Uh, and this is where, because I'd like to get back to, we, we went off topic with the permissions. Yeah. Um, but this is, you know, this is that perfect, you know, entrance into getting permission on our property. So we run into this guy walking the, walking his dog uh, through the thick of the woods that we just huffed and puffed <laughs> up and he's just going on a stroll through. But um, out of kindness, you know, we talked to him, you know, he's, you know, bullshitting with us and, you know, we're letting him know that we're tracking a bird down there. And, you know, he was nice enough to say, okay, hey guys, yeah good luck and gave us a great route to go through that we had already just come through. But, you know, you, you give them that sense of, I helped you guys. And, you know, that's how he felt. So, so we get through him, we start running, the dog's chasing us, barking at us. And we're like, uh, what do we do? So we helped him get the dog back to him because the dog's now with us 50 yards away from him. And we had to go back up the hill to get the dog to him. And, uh, but finally, you, you, you left out that we actually, and like you said, we spent some time there talking to this guy. Yeah. More time than we should have. Than oh, anybody yeah. that would have been tracking a bird in this situation would just be like, hey, sorry, man, I'm hunting and left. But we took the time, even though we knew we had a bird and we had to move fast because we had to cover about a mile. Yeah. And we had to do it quickly under some really tough terrain. You spent the time to talk to the guy, and he was a really nice guy. He yeah. owned some property in that in that area. Yeah. We could go back there potentially and tell him and remind him who we are and that could lead to potential hunting property. Oh yeah, yeah. He told us exactly where he lived, um, you know, just right over the hill and um I think we just had to turn right off the main <clears throat> road and he had a uh, blue or white house, but he, he had distinct characteristics of this uh, house. I don't want to speak too much of his property, but I know nobody knows what we're talking about, but still. We are talking about the corner of West Virginia and New York. <laughs> yes. So, um, so we gave him, um, you know, we gave him good goodbyes and, um, you know, went on our merry way running down the hill. At this point, we are running down the hill, you know, tripping, you know, trying to be, you know, as quick and agile as we can. We run through the creek. We didn't even care if we got wet. We just jumped through and, you know, got through what we could. And I think at one point when we got back to, when we got back to where we initially started hunting, I think we tried to call Anthony Austin. They didn't answer. So we both got kind of excited that maybe they were moving in on the bird or something was going on. We had hens chirping down below us on the bottom of the hill and we thought, man, we missed it. We missed that bird. We didn't, uh, you know, we didn't get here in time. Yeah. Had we just and, sat in our spot in the morning, yeah. that bird, when it came right down the hill, you know, I was getting frustrated because I too often get too impatient and it cost me, especially in turkey season. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's it. You know, that's again, going back to that team effort, you were so upset. You'd already got a bird. Right. You were upset for me that man, like, oh, I knew we shouldn't have left, but you know, and I'm, you know, here's me. Hey, man, shit happens. You know, I'm, I'm just excited. This was fun, just running down the hill and you know, trying to, you know, spot on yeah. a bird. But uh, so we discussed it. And we said, you know what, what the hell? Let's just go check the farm. Let's go see because where Anthony Austin were in the beginning, they couldn't see the drop of the hill of that piece of the farm where that bird actually was. He was right at the crest of that hill, uh, but still down a little bit. We go up there and. Uh, you told me, hey, man, there's a big stump. Just see if you can poke out because we didn't see anything down the hill. See if you can poke your head over and see if there's something there. I poke my head up and I get all wide-eyed and I'm all excited. I said, Charles, there's a hen. <laughs> and he's like, okay, that's fine. You know, that, that gobbler may still be around then. Maybe we didn't lose him. So 
uh, you know, maybe tucked in the woods, maybe went up the hill a little bit more. So Charles starts, you know, turning around, crawling down the hill, and he's going to go set up decoys and then go a little bit farther down and call, and I'm just going to stay at that stump. And as soon as that bird, you know, if we can get that guy to come by, I can get a good shot on him. So Charles starts crawling. I poke my head up. Ah, let me, you know, let me just see if that bed, that bird's still there. Let me see if I can, you know, sneak around him and look a little bit farther up the hill. And yeah, that hen turned out to be the gobbler because I didn't know I, <laughs> he wasn't fanned out. But when I took that second look, he was all fanned out. And I believe that shot was like, what, 45 or 47 I want to say it was 55 yards. Is that what it was? 55? 55 yards. So yeah, you I know, my inexperience, that's, that's a long poke for, you know, you know, shooting a bird. But man, I pulled that shot, you didn't even know. And all of a sudden I hear you like, basically right behind me come on mike go get him go get him get out there get out that farm go get him so i go out there and the birds you know flopping around step on the head put them out and I, it, it was just we're high-fiving each other here comes anthony and austin they saw you guys saw the whole thing oh yeah the bird gets shot like it, it was just su- it was such a team effort though it was so fun well we were doing the same thing you guys were doing yeah. we were coming in from the other way and we had spotted the bird we just kind of crested over the hill and we could see him there and we did the same thing. There was a tree in between us. And I was like, you know what, Anthony, try and sneak up to that tree. And I'm going to back up just a little bit. I'm going to set up the decoys and I'm going to start calling and see if we can pull them up this way. And I started crawling about the time I started crawling. Boom. Oh, it's and I look up and I see the Jeez. bird flopping everywhere. I'm like, oh, man, let's go. <laughs> it, was, it was just, I mean, that was definitely an amazing hunt. That's, oh, my gosh, top, top favorite of my hunting uh it was just fun the way we stalked it, yeah. the way, you know, we were deciding, we were walking up that lane and we were thinking, okay, the field's at the top of the lane. Well, let's cut through the woods, you know, because then if that bird is still in the field, we're not coming up a wide open field, right? Peeking over the hill. Because I remember there yeah, was that, that little was a great crest. call. Let's cut off and let's go right at the crest. Right. Let's go right yeah. to the crest. We have the cover of the woods and then we'll be able to get a much better look without the bird possibly seeing us. So yep. that worked out perfect, but it's amazing because I was doing the same thing that Austin was doing. We had the, both the same mentality, even though this bird had never made a peep. It never yeah. once called out nothing. And, and I was calling when I was sneaking up the hill, I was still calling a little bit, Yeah. but that bird never made a peep. Like, it just kept strutting. It just kept strutting out. Yeah. And we come later to find out why it never made a noise. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, we, we got him and we noticed under the wing it was a little goofy looking, a little little, little dark uh, on the skin, maybe, you know, greenish look. And I got a little nervous with that, but, you know, went straight home and, you know, started plucking away and found out the whole chest was green. He had been shot before uh, that season. And it, it was a shame. It, you know, good thing for the bird, you know. He could have been in some pain. I'm sure he was. With I mean, he had babies all over that chest. But that, that, birds are strong. Yeah. You know, take a punch like that. I rolled a bird. Uh, I I missed one last year in 2016. Uh, I rolled him and he took off and I mean he was gone. I couldn't find them. They're strong. They're really strong. And those feathers, especially if they're all strutted up, it's like armor, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hit them just right sometimes, yeah. or else it just. And it doesn't take much. I mean, no <clears throat> discredit to whoever wounded this bird. They didn't do it on purpose. You know, they hit a little low. Yeah. Maybe that bird turned. You know, yeah, maybe something happened. Yep, yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, anything's possible with that. Terrible shot. It just happened to be that someone did hit and wound this bird. And, you know, it 
totally was not vocal at all or did not respond to any calls or anything. You know, they smartened that bird up. Yeah, exactly. You know, that bird would have lived. It was perfectly healthy up in that yep. field. More than healthy. Yeah, he ate a few hens with him. I mean, yeah, he was yeah. Yeah, he, he was, was ready to rock. His thing. Yep. yep. So, but that was a great story and, and honestly a great experience for all of us. That's why I wanted to get you in because we have ex- experiences together. Yeah. For the first time as a guest, you have experiences hunting with all three of us at the yeah. same time. And this time. goes right back to, you know, the point you made earlier. You give me the kudos, but that's, you know, I give you guys the kudos. That's, I respect you guys as hunters, uh, as people in general. I mean, you guys are great people. You tell me to do something, I'm going to listen to you because I trust your decision. I, I trust what you're going to tell me and everything you told me. Exactly. Austin was doing the same thing with Anthony. Right. We were. You guys were doing everything right. You were 100% correct because any other little slip up there, that bird could have been gone. I've never been able to sneak up on a bird like that before. It, yeah. it was just, it was amazing. So It may um, have been a little luck, but there was definitely, we made all the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, we beat ourselves up about the patience, but, you know, hey, if we were patient, you know, that bird was not talking. He could have picked us out. You know, if he would have came from that one direction that he could have seen us, we may have never had a chance at him. That's so, true. That's true. Real true. We were goofing off a little bit, too, when <clears throat> <laughs> we got bored. That's all right. <laughs> no, it's it's all fun. Spitting sunflower seeds at each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to have fun in the field, too. I mean... Oh yeah, it's a great. It's, it's not great all sport. serious all the time. You gotta have fun. You gotta enjoy it. You're out there with a friend. I mean, just enjoy the time in the field. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that either. Well, but I'll be honest. You're right. I mean, that's that's the key of hunting. Is you know, there's no reason to be upset because if I have a bad day of hunting, which I never have a bad day of hunting, other than you know, missing that big buck. But still, again, <laughs> you turn it into a positive. You make it. I learn so. It's much a learning life. experience, man. You yes. got to learn from your mistakes. If you don't, you're never going to learn anything. Yeah. All right. Just like last year, you know, I was hunting in my area, and Charles, you were down in your area, and I didn't see a thing that night. And you know, I was a little bummed, but I get a text message from you, "Hey, I got a buck," and I mean, it's like. Psh- Let's go. I'm pumped. You know, this is great. This is such a great day. You know, maybe a bad day for me. You just turned my day around because I'm so proud. You got a buck. Right. So, um, you know, dinner in general, just I'm um, happy when, you know, my friends get the deer that they want to get. You know, everyone's just, that's how we click in this, you know, our small community of yeah. friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's I, about- I know we're getting up there on time, but I'll, I want to mention this because... A great funny story about that was remember when Joey shot his buck? Oh yeah. So we had, we were playing fall ball in the championship softball. We were playing the fall season of softball championship game, and you know I had to work anyway, so I couldn't hunt. But Joe was supposed to play in that game. He decided to skip out on us and mm-hmm. go hunting. Oh yeah. So good I like for it. Him. Great decision <laughs> on his part, but. Mike and I and the rest of the team, we're all sitting at El Canelo and we're eating and I get that text, you know, hey, I hit a great buck, you know, I'm going to need help tracking him. I'm not sure about the shot. There's some stuff in the arrow. And I'm like, oh, man, that's all. I'm getting all excited. You guys obviously knew. They were like, what's going on? What's going on? And Mike, we, I remember telling you what happened. He's like, dude, let's go. Let's go. We got to go track this buck. But here's one thing. Joe wanted as little amount of people as possible. He didn't want a lot of people stomping through the woods. He wanted the people he trusted to be on the track job that he knew from previous track jobs. You know, me and my other brother, John, 
him, and I think Anthony came along with us too. Yeah. But Anthony was more just to hold the light, keep right. last spot, <laughs> yeah. kind of be that person like my that's, dad is usually, or my mom, you know. Right, so I'm going to keep last spot, keep you in, in line because it's a thick area. But I remember Mike actually leaving El Canelo, going out <laughs> to get his little uh, monoscope, that was heat uh, sensor monoscope. Yeah, that was a buddy of mine. It was a thermal. I mean, thermal, it was yeah. Night basically it, it picked up. You could pick up like squirrels at night, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. My buddy used it. It was his. He purchased it. And it was such a great buy. Um, he shot a doe that year. Couldn't find his arrow. He had blood. Lost blood. So he's I'm screwed. He went out that 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 night and bought that thermal. He bought sorry, I'm sorry. He went out that night and borrowed one off of his buddy, took it into the woods, hey, let me try it. He found his deer because of that thermal. Yeah. And that's what you know, with Joey being so, you know, upset. I mean the kid was ready to throw up, I you could see it on his face. He just wasn't a hundred percent super nervous. So yeah, I took a 15, 20 minute drive to haul ass to go get this thing and um I don't even know if you guys used it, but it just you know just to have that equipment with you, yeah. you know, if you do have to do a body search, I don't want him to lose that deer. And I also don't want to wound a deer in the woods either. Right. You know, um, yeah, that thing's actually really cool. It worked pretty good. Yeah. I started using it. What, what you mentioned was nice. You could sit up in your stand and just zone the area. Yeah. Because he's not sure about a shot. Sometimes that deer's still alive and bedded. That's a good way to locate the deer, too, because yeah. the heat sensor on that thing was awesome i've never used anything oh, like that it was oh, really there, cool um <clears throat> even through like like a brush pile mm -hmm. you can see that but what's really nice what's really great it, it doesn't have to be nighttime either you mm -hmm. know it's a, it's a thermal it's for heat works great at night going into your stand in the morning you're in there in the dark you can scout the area real quick you know see if anything is bedded right um getting out of your stand at night you can scout the area so you don't get busted getting down from your stand. You see some deer coming. We're good for that. You sit yep. there and you, you wait till they pass. But also, you know, body searching. But another great thing about that, hey, I got a deer coming. I got a doe coming in at me. I don't see nothing behind it. Let me hit it with the uh, thermal. <laughs> Maybe there's another body coming. So, you know, you might be able to pick out a buck yeah. that's chasing her. So, um, I'm still not going to buy one. They're way too expensive. No. <laughs> I will not be buying them. I will just borrow my buddies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that just goes to show kind of the person you were. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to go out of your way, skip out on dinner, you know, just to get something, a tool like that that could potentially help us. You know, and you were respectful of his wishes to only have certain people there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, that's, as much as you, you wanted can't. to help. Yes. And that's what, you know, I've never tracked a deer with Joey. Right. And that is my key point. I am good at finding blood. I'm really good at tracking. Um, I've tracked quite a few deer with guys that are good at tracking. They couldn't find blood. I mean, I found a pencil mark of blood on a leaf one time. And we actually ended up finding the blood trail. It was a real thick area. We found the deer. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so, was I going with that? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah, I, I like to be that. It's really hard when you get guys out there. It's really hard to just sit there and stand at last spot right because you want to just keep going with everyone but now i'll wait you know i'll sit at the last spot hey i got blood here okay oh yeah i got more blood here i'm still sitting at the last spot because if i stay there you can get those you know, you got four guys with you i'll stay at my spot then you put the next guy at the next blood spot then you put the third guy at the next blood spot you can potentially get a trail that that deer may have turned or you know, whatnot could have, something could happen. I love the toilet paper deal. Yeah, basically. we use toilet paper and yeah, that gives so you a great, great pattern.
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever you can do to to help yourself. I mean, give you give that deer as much opportunity as you can to really find it. I mean, even if it's the next day and Mm -hmm. it rained or something like that had to happen to me last year. I won't go into it yet, but give that deer every effort you possibly can. If it comes down to you got to get five or six guys and you got to do a body search of the area. I mean, you got to really get in there and you got to give it your best effort. I mean. Let's, I mean, that's definitely a good tip, but I, I, I'm going to go back to it. That toilet paper idea is great, and we've used it many times. What I do is I'll take one full sheet, and I'll stick it up on a branch above yep. the last spot. Or if there's no brancher, I'll take a twig, and I'll stick it in the ground, and I'll put it on it. And then next thing you know, you're out 10 feet from last spot, and if, especially if it's daylight, you look back, and you can see the entire trail, and you can get a general direction. And that helps, too. Like, when my dad helps to track, he likes to scan out ahead, like Russ mentioned. So that gives him a general direction as well, so he can go out ahead and kind of scan and look. And, and he's careful, and he knows the, you know, the area. But, I mean, that's a great tip for people that don't use toilet paper. Never go in the woods with toilet paper. One, if you have to shit, it's a great tool, okay? Yeah. We all know that. Yep. All right? We've all had that. Nobody wants the sleeve incident. <laughs> I have a really fun story about that that <laughs> i won't tell tonight because we're running out of time but i will tell on another episode it's an epic story i promise i'm writing it down i'm gonna hold you to it i like it where I are like we it. at on time austin we are we're coming to it i'm actually gonna see you got anything else you want to talk about real I, quick i just want to hit on the uh the last thing i want to talk about we went off the permission um hit it basically i mean it's no different from how you've been you know taught as a young child you treat people how you want to be treated you need to be respectful. I approach people, hey, I know you have this property, or hey, do you have a certain amount of property? That is potentially, you know, something I can hunt. Do you hunt? My first question to them, if I know they have property, hey man, do you hunt? Do you have any family members that hunt this property? And uh, sometimes you get a yeah, sometimes you get no. You know, a lot of the times I've gotten no, is there any chance I can hunt this property? I got a lot of guys that hunt it. You know, I don't want to offend my other hunters. You know, I got buddies that do hunt and they like to hunt my property. Hey man, that's, that's no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. You just got to be, you know, really kind to the people, you know, sometimes just like that little farm. Hey man, I, I got a farm you can hunt. Yeah. I got some other property. Um, you just got to be polite to these people. You can't be offended. It's their property. They paid for it. Um, you've got to, respect what they own oh yeah show that i have a question for you on that so what would you suggest to people because i know personally i don't have a real problem with it but i know a lot of people that have a problem with knocking on doors what would you suggest to a new hunter or someone that's maybe shy about knocking on the door and asking permission how would you approach somebody that you have no idea who they are and and maybe not you because you're very personable you can talk about anything, but what kind of generic thing would you say to someone that doesn't know how to talk to people, kind of to lead into something like that? Basically, what I try to do is I, I try to learn as much as I can how much property they have. The Onyx Hunt app is amazing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to be purchasing that. I've been blowing yours up. If you don't have that, you can actually go on. Most counties have um, GIS plat maps. Yeah. Okay. You can go on and do that. It's free service that the county offers. It's public information, right, but exactly. you can go on. It's a little bit easier to use the Onyx, and that's yeah. what I use. But um, 
Yeah, it's free. Go on, search your county plat map. You know, Lawrence County plat map, Mercer County plat map, wherever. Right. You know, try that out. But I like on. Onyx. What I what I always try to do. This sounds kind of terrible. You know, hey, uh, you notice the uh, you know the guy's got a boat or what? You try to you try to just try, I try to make some kind of connection with the people. You know, hey, uh, I see you got that boat. You're a pretty big fisherman. I, I love to talk about walleye. Whatever. What kind of fishing do you do? Um, and then you get into, hey, I'm a hunter as well. You hunt as well. Yes or no, whatever. Well, is there any chance I could, you know, potentially hunt your property? If you get the no, you say, hey, that's fine. I'll ask you in another year. You know, you know, if they're, you know, you just gotta read the people. Well, I've done um, that before too, where they've said no and like that's fine. You know, hey, do you mind? If I swing by here again in the future, maybe a year or two from now, if I stop and knock on your door and ask you again. Yeah, please don't be offended. You know, I'm just no. asking. You have a nice piece of property. I'd love to hunt it. If you tell me no every time, that's fine. If you start to get annoyed, that's fine. I'll leave you alone. I understand. You do not want me on there. And you have to respect that. Um, for a new hunter, a lot of people see posted signs. Mm -hmm. And they just turn away and they keep going. You need to read the post sign. People will put their phone numbers on there. If they're putting their phone numbers on there, not necessarily do they want to be contacted, but they're willing to be contacted. You can call that person and say, hey, I see you have your property posted. I want to give you the respect of asking permission because you've already posted it, mm -hmm. but I'm not, it doesn't necessarily mean no one's allowed to hunt there. If they put their phone number on there, you have a good chance of getting permission. You just got to talk to people. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with knocking on someone's door. You tell somebody you have great property, they're going to take a call. You know, it's a compliment. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. you just compliment people. The worst they're going to say is no. Yeah, yeah. But that goes into that same farm where they posted it. Yeah. You had permission and what you, you saw posted signs and you turned away. Yeah. Yeah. I hunted that farm for three years. And he posted it, and I got nervous. I felt bad because I knew me, me, I was the only one hunting it along with another guy, and we stayed away from each other. But, um, and then there was another guy, one of the neighbors, he hunted rifle there. I never really hit it for rifle other than that first year when I got that, um, that one doe. But, um, you, you try to be respectful. There's a guy that's been hunting for years, you stay out of there. You know, he's been hunting. It's, it's not that big of a spot. If I go anywhere on that farm, I'm screwing up shots for him, and I don't want to be shooting in his direction. I definitely don't want him shooting in my direction. Yeah, so he posted the property, and I was very upset. You know, not upset with the landowner. I was upset with myself. I thought I did something wrong. And I contacted the other guy that hunted it, and he said, man, I don't know what happened, but he posted it, and I don't, I don't understand. Well, what happened was this other guy was driving through the neighbor's property to get to his spot, and the neighbor was upset, contacted the landowner, said, listen, I, I can't keep having the ruts in my yard and all this stuff. And, and the guy didn't know he was driving through the neighbor's property, didn't understand it, but let, let's let's not kid ourselves, he knew. But um, so I contacted him about two years later and I said, hey man, I, I just want to ask, um, I, I know you posted a property, I haven't been back there in two years, but um, I just want to kind of know, did I do something wrong? You know, was there anything I offended you on? And he said, oh my, no, man, if I had your number, I would have called you and said, hey, there's no issue, it's the other guy. And they knew because they knew what truck it was. You know, the right. neighbor had the truck, what, you know, the, the black truck that was driving on the property. So, but yeah, that's, 
you got to be respectful to the landowner. It's their property, and that's you know you got to be positive with people. You can't get upset with them. It's their property. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I have with the permissions and everything. Um, that's great advice, man. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a big thing around here, honestly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, most of the property around here is it's private property, and you're gonna drive around, you're gonna see a lot of posted signs. Doesn't mean you can't hunt it. But you got to ask permission first. I mean, it, it's simple as that. If they say no, it's no. If they say yes, go ahead. Yeah. You know. But. Yeah, you can do work for landowners, too. You can do different things for landowners that other people aren't doing that might get you that permission. Yeah, 100%. So. Offer to pick up trash on their property, even little things like that. Yeah. You know, but. Well, Charles, you got anything else you want to talk about real quick, buddy? No, man. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we have... Quite a bit more stories to come, I think, with you. I think this hunting season is going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we have some successes to share down the road on another episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get you back on, buddy. Yeah, I'll be on. Um, I really appreciate it, guys. I had a lot of fun. Um, definitely excited for 2018 this year. So Let's go. All right. Well, just a friendly reminder to our fellow PA bow hunters. Well, not just fellow PA hunters in general. Unsold license first round comes up. Monday, August 6th. It's coming up quick, so make sure you get your doe tags ready to go. Get them in the mail. You know, I mean, if you want an extra doe tag. And then second round unsold goes on sale Monday, August 20th. If you're feeling really crazy this year and you want to get three doe tags, possibly. You know, so get those in there. You know, get some does on the ground. Get one out early so you can uh, get them jitters gone away so you can shoot a, shoot a buck and not really have to worry about them, huh? Well, get you, some meat in the freezer. Get some meat in the freezer. You know, you know. But again, I just want to give another special thanks to uh, Ron and Linda Williams from Williams Archery, our sponsor. They're great people. Go down and see them. Shoot your bow. If it's not shooting right, or even if it is shooting right, just go over, have them check out your bow. Make sure you're shooting right. Practice makes perfect. No, it really does. They they have a great shop down there. It's a friendly environment. I suggest anybody that's looking to get anything done on their bow or looking to even pick up small accessories to or just to go down and talk um you know ron is is awesome about talking to anybody so is linda absolutely Linda's super friendly uh, you know she talks to everybody that comes in you know in their staff their staff's great and friendly it's not just them you know some bow shops you go in and you like one person or another person and then you always know there's the snooty other people mm-hmm. you know they have a great staff all around friendly it's a great place to go. Just go down and, and see them. Mention that you heard about them from our podcast, the White Tail Distraction Podcast. They're probably going to ask where you heard from them anyway. So <laughs> yeah, just come right absolutely. out and say, hey, guys, you know, I, I need my bow worked on. I heard about you guys on the podcast. They're going to know what you're talking about. You know, they're great supporters of the podcast. That's why I love dealing with them. They're local, family-owned business, and they're great to work with. Absolutely. So go down there. Even if you're not sure about it, give them a call. Ask for Ron, ask for Linda, ask for anybody. I mean, they're all friendly, like like Charles said. But give them a call at 724-667-9660. They'll help you out. Or see them on their website. They have a Facebook page uh, at Williams Archery. Williams or... Archery, and their website is williamsarchery.net. Well, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, give us a five-star review or even send us an email if you don't like it or if you do like it you can send us topics feel free to reach out we'd love to hear from you, you know also what? sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt no that's fine one listener actually sent us a, a story of his hunt i thought that was really cool arlo yeah shout out to arlo shout up in michigan arlo. i love that guy yeah he uh he sent out a, a whole paragraph of his hunt and man 
just me reading his hunt, I enjoyed that so much. I got into it. I felt like I was right there with him. He's so a great dude. That was really cool. You know, uh, shout out to Andrew Keller. I ran into him today. Ah. He gave us a shout out. Uh, you know, he was excited about the podcast. I saw him today at the bar. And uh, he. we talked for a little bit about he just bought the new Halon. Uh, he bought a new Matthews Halon. And he loves it, man. That's I, awesome. I asked him if he shot the Triax. He said yes. He liked the Halon better. It had a better feel for him personally. I thought he was crazy, but you know what? I like Andrew. He's a good kid. He likes the podcast. So a Halon is a great bow, and he got a great price on it. I think he got it for 700 bucks. That's awesome. Shoot what you want to shoot. Shoot what so. you're comfortable with. You know, Shout out to Andrew. Thanks for uh, yeah. sharing your good word with us, buddy. But like I said, make sure you guys reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'll talk to anybody. I mean, if you guys got topics or suggestions, or even if you want to come on the podcast, give us a give us a holler, and we'll uh, we'll work something out. Where, they, where can they find us, buddy? They can find us on Instagram at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, or they can find us on Facebook at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. They can also send us an email, the Whitetail Distraction Podcast at gmail.com. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Absolutely. Well, have fun, guys. I, I appreciate Mike for coming on. I mean, thanks, buddy. Yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so you had to do the rerun with us tonight, and we really appreciate it. We really do appreciate it, yeah. I had just no as much fun. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. This is a blast to do. And like you said, if anybody wants to come on, man, I, I highly recommend it. This is this is fun. You know, it's like sitting around the campfire and just telling stories, so. I dig it. We need a fireplace. Yeah? I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks. The distraction's real. The distraction's real. The distraction's real. Let's go.